So I'm here with Nicky Gumbel, who is the vicar of HTB. He is the pioneer of the Alpha Course. He is married to Pips, and together they write the commentary on the Bible in one year. And they've got three children, and they have just had their ninth grandchild. And uh, I am just delighted, Nicky, to be talking to you, that it's me talking to you this time. I'm delighted, Martha, to be with you. To be interviewed by you is a huge privilege. I've known you since before you were born. Yes, you have, you have. You have known me uh, most of my life, so it, I also know quite a lot about you. Um, <laughs> well, we have a fact then. <laughs> there neither to reveal any secrets. This has not been an easy season. There are lessons you've learned in the past about how to deal with challenges? Well, as you know, Marth, perhaps one of the biggest challenges that uh, I've ever faced, and far bigger challenge for you than it was for me, was your daddy dying um, in 1996. <laughs> I still can't ever talk about it without crying, so... Um, but, um, uh, so that was, that was like 23rd July, wasn't it, of 1996. Um, and uh, that was the biggest challenge for you because you lost your father, who you adored and who adored you, six children. Uh, but also it was probably the biggest challenge for me because I was on the squash court with him when he died. And it was, he was 42 and uh, one of my very, very closest friends. And um, it, that must, it always raises the question, God, do you care? You know, why, why did you allow it? But I think it tested all our faith. You know, and and uh, I went out that night and um, five o'clock in the morning, I don't think any of us slept. Um, and you know, I said, God, I just don't understand. Why did this happen? But I'm not going to stop believing in you. And that was the decision of the will. And that wasn't because I felt anything. I didn't feel you know, people say you'll feel really close to God when these things happen. That wasn't what I felt. Uh, it was more like what C.S. Lewis described, the door slammed in your face. It feels like, you know, I, I don't feel God anywhere. Why, why has he allowed this? But there was a decision. You've said recently that um, the Christian life is a battleground. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I think someone said it, it's, it's, a, it's not a playground. It's, it's more of a battleground. <laughs> Uh, Apostle Paul said that we, our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. It, there's a battle going on, there's a spiritual battle going on all the time. And that has its manifestation in the battles we see going on around us, in our own lives, but also in our society. Your ninth grandchild, Aravis, has been born this week. What kind of world is, is she going to grow up in? It's a world that is moving extraordinarily fast. I mean, it's, the world seems to be moving faster and faster with the internet and changes. And it's so hard to predict what the world will look like tomorrow, let alone, let alone next year, let alone when Aravis is your age. You know, what, what is going to happen to our world? You know, I think there, um, I read two books which I, I brought along because they're, they're, they're they fascinated me so much, and I read them over the in the summer holiday. Um, one is uh, by John Sutherland called Crossing the Line, former police officer, talking about some of the challenges facing the UK right now. And he writes about uh, knife crime, 
and domestic violence and sexual abuse and the rise of extremism and a whole lot of other issues facing our society. And the other one um, by Jonathan Sachs, uh, Morality. Um, and Jonathan Sachs, the, uh, you know, it's so interesting, Johnny, Johnny Sutherland is a former chief superintendent in the police force. Uh, rabbi Jonathan Sachs is a former chief rabbi, Lord Sachs. Um, but they're, they're writing about very similar things. But uh, also, he's looking at some, some of the underlying things that are going on in our society, victimhood, um, the sort of cancel society, all this sort of um, uh, people not taking responsibility, uh, 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 lack of civility, um, anger, um, all those kind of issues that our society is facing right now. So I think we, we're, we're in a society which has got lots of underlying issues. Now, what's going to happen? We don't know, but, it, but societies change. I think that you know, we have to learn from history, and I think we are at a, a dangerous moment with the pandemic, that uh, if you go back to 1918 uh, and the pandemic there, it was followed by a recession, um, the Great Depression, actually, and that we're in danger of that, and then the rise of extremism. And we're seeing that on the far right, and on the far left. Another book that I uh, am reading right now, I haven't even finished it, is by the African-American theologian Howard Thurman, Jesus and the Disinherited. And to me, this is the most fascinating of all the books I've read recently. Howard Thurman wrote this book in 1949. And it, it was a book that shaped the civil rights movement in America. And he, he, he talks about Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. Secondly, he was a poor Jew. Uh, and thirdly, he was a poor Jew under an oppressive regime, under the Roman Empire. And of course, he likens that to the, the situation that he was writing into in 1949, the situation of African Americans. Uh, and he says that was the context in which Jesus proclaimed his manifesto. He went into the temple and read from Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And that would have been Jesus' situation. He was in a situation, the, the, Roman, the Romans were in power, they were the dominant power. And the Jews had no, none of the rights of citizenship that we enjoy. If, if Jesus had been pushed in a ditch by a Roman officer, he would have just been another Jew in a ditch. And that's the analogy that he uses of what, what they were facing. And into that context, Jesus comes preaching about social justice. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to set the prisoners free. That's the context for the, for the manifesto of Jesus. And the manifesto of Jesus must be our manifesto. It must be the manifesto for the church right now. I... I I was an atheist. I encountered Jesus at the age of 18. And I can remember a moment, it must have been two or three months after I'd become a Christian. I, I was in a second-hand bookshop and I saw this Christian book. And it was a book that had a verse for every day of the year. And I just thought, oh, I wonder what the verse is for my birthday. So I looked up what it was. And it was Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And that was a moment where it felt like this is my scripture. Always felt 
This, this is, this is what, what we need to do. We need to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captive. There's no greater privilege than seeing people set free, seeing prisoners set free. I love the fact that Alpha's running in the prisons, seeing, seeing prisoners set free. Not, you can be in a prison and free. You can be out of a prison and not free. But Jesus sets you free. And, and also I, what I love about Isaiah 61 is these are the people. It's going to be the poor, the brokenhearted, the prisoners who are going to rebuild the cities. They're going to rebuild the broken walls. And you know, this is what we're seeing. We're seeing people, particularly now in our, uh, at St. Melitus at the Theological College with the Peter Stream, a whole group of people who are the people that the marginalised for whatever reason, either because of education or because of ethnicity or because of some other reason, who, who are, are the, the people that no one would expect to be leading, who are now, I believe, going to lead transformation in our society. Right now, what do you see the church doing into this world that looks quite bleak? The, the, COVID-19 is a horrible disease and we must pray for the end of this plague. But God can take a horrible disease and use it for good. Because, we know that because God took the most horrible event in the history of humankind, the crucifixion of the Son of God, and used it for the salvation of the world. So God can take this horrible disease and use it for good. And he is using it for good in many different ways. And one of the ways he's using it is to get people's attention. So there's never been such an interest in faith as there is right now. And that's why we've had more people coming on Alpha at HTB than we've ever had in all the time that certainly I've been involved in it. And um, that's because people are asking questions. Why, why is this happening? Is there a God? Uh, and people are seeking. Every human being is after three things, seeking three things. Everybody wants to know their purpose. As has so often been said, the two most important days are the day you're born and the day you find out why. And everyone wants to know why. What am I here for? What is my purpose? And purpose is ultimately only found in a relationship with God, and Jesus came to make that possible. Second thing that people, every human being is looking for is love. Uh, everybody wants to, be, to know that they're loved. As one of the young women in our Alpha group last term put it, I, I've been looking for love all my life but in the wrong places. And now finally I found it in a relationship with God. And thirdly, people are looking for, for belonging. We're not meant to live alone. And ultimately we're, we're, we find our sense of belonging in a relationship with God and in his community, that we, that we have brothers and sisters. And people come, coming on Alpha are experiencing these three things. They're finding purpose, finding love, finding a sense of belonging. So there's a huge hunger right now. So this is not a moment for the church to retreat. This is a moment for the kingdom of God to advance. And in terms of social justice, the issues of social justice that are coming up right now, in, in terms of racial justice, the church must take the lead. Martin Luther King took the lead. The, the civil rights movement was led by a Christian man. And it's so important right now that Christians, the church, takes the lead in social justice. And this is what I love about uh, uh, Howard Thurman, the African-American theologian. It, it, it's about love. And the motivation for social justice is love. 
It's God's love for every human being, a recognition that every human being is made in the image of God. And the, the, the way it's done is humility. It's the model of Jesus. It's not, it's not um, a kind of anger. It's, it's out of, of love and humility. Not hatred, but love. Not anger, but gentleness. And there's a right kind of anger, of course, but it's very hard for us as humans to have the kind of righteous anger that God has and that Jesus has. We need to be very careful of anger because it so easily uh, comes into a, to a wrong motivation. And it needs to be driven by the Holy Spirit, um, the Spirit of God, anointing people to preach good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives. It needs the Holy Spirit to be leading this movement. That's why it's so important for the church not to sit back and watch and criticize other movements. The church should be out there taking the lead. There has actually been sort of quite a, a, um, an amazing way that the church has been working together. Love Your Neighbour is an amazing initiative which was started by Tom and Sarah Jackson here initially for, as you know, for HTB and HTB amazingly under their leadership has uh, provided over 500,000 meals in the last few months, which is an astonishing achievement. The church is the only network that can feed the hungry in this country, ultimately, because the government doesn't have an infrastructure, but the church has an infrastructure that is in every village, every town, right across every city, and it's the church's role to feed the hungry. Jesus fed the 5,000. He also preached the gospel to them, but but those are not opposed to each other, they go together. We have to, to preach the gospel, but we also have to feed the hungry. And that's not just food, of course, it's, it's debt counselling, help with getting jobs, every kind of providing, getting um, medicines to people and so on. And that's what Love Your Neighbour has been about. And yeah, it's been amazing to work with, right across the church in this country, with the Salvation Army, with the Catholic Church, with... Um, Jesus House, the Redeemed Church of God, Pentecostal Churches, Baptists, every, right across all the spectrum, everybody's come together. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. It doesn't say poor in spirit, it's the poor. We have a calling to the poor. One of the things I love that Rabbi Jonathan Sachs says is that a society becomes strong when it cares for the weak. It becomes rich when it cares for the poor and it becomes invulnerable when it cares for the vulnerable. And that's the calling of the church. That's the call, the manifesto of Jesus, which he read from Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter four, when he went into the synagogue. It's to do those things. It's to care for the weak, the poor, the vulnerable. How do we engage with, with such a vast, the vast problems in our society when day to day we've got so many issues for our, of our own? Well, the Apostle Paul often talks about like a trilogy of, that we need. We need faith, we need love, and we need hope. And I think all three of those are needed right now. Faith is, faith is similar to, to love because you can't prove the existence of God. We all know that love exists, but you can't prove it. And faith is, is holding on to what we, we know to be true, even when uh, all, all, everything's falling apart. 
And so we have to hold on to our faith, hold on to Jesus, hold on to our relationship with God. All human beings are created in the image of God and are loved by God. And we need a love for all humankind. And that has to be our motivation. Not, not one of anger and hatred and revenge, but one of love and reconciliation. That has to be, that's the message behind Jesus' manifesto. It's to go out and to preach good news. That's, that's hope, good news for the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted. That's to love them, to bind them up, to set the prisoners free, to love people even at their lowest ebb if they're in, in prison, uh, to open the eyes of the blind. It, it, it's to bring healing to people's lives. This is, this is the love that should drive the church, to drive all our lives. That's the most important thing. Love is the greatest thing in the world. Love is what it's all about. It starts with your, in your own household, with your, with your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, and, it, and it, it, to your friends, to your community, but to the whole world. God so loved the world. When Paul talks about faith and hope, he says the greatest of these is love. And that's what we need more than anything right now is love. We have to hold on to hope uh, because uh, there's not much hope out there in the world right now. But we, we are, Christians are dealers in hope and that's our calling is to, to bring people hope. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I remember Mark Russell who at one point led the church army but just before he, he, he was appointed to a position, I think he was in um, Charing Cross and there was uh, someone on the street who was homeless and he asked him for, for food and he, he got him for some food and, and Mark said to him, I, I'm going to have the opportunity to speak to thousands of people. Uh, if you were me, what would be the message you would give to all those people? And the man, the man said, uh, I would tell the, the church to stop arguing and give people hope. And um, what should I put my hope in? Well, ultimately, hope is in a person. It's in Jesus. So like, I, was, I was an atheist growing up. I, and in a sense, I, I did feel hopeless. I had, there was an emptiness looking back. I didn't feel that at the time, but comparative to experiencing a relationship to Jesus, it was an emptiness, a, a, a feeling of a void that life ultimately did lack any hope, ultimate hope. And uh, when I encountered Jesus, I found that in him there is hope. Uh, there's a hope ultimately of eternal life, that this life is not the end, that the, the relationship, everything else is going to go. Everything the world puts their hope in, if your, your hope is in your career or in your money or in your uh, relate, human relationships, ultimately, all those things will come to an end. But if your hope is in Jesus, that will never come to an end because that's a relationship that goes on forever. And we just have to remind ourselves in the dark times that this life is not the end and that, that ultimately we have an eternal hope in, in Jesus. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And uh, it was yesterday that I put my faith in Jesus. I have to remind myself today to put my faith in Jesus. 
and one day it'll be forever. But he is our hope. Nicky Gumbel, thank you very much indeed. Thank you.